Last week we talked about hearing the voice of God. And we were looking at John chapter 10. And we felt like God was trying to say a couple things and that maybe he wasn't done yet. So Brian and I talked briefly and he suggested that I continue the thought that uh, the Lord had put on my mind last week. So to get that reconnected, I'm just going to take a few seconds here and review it. Last week, we we really kind of thought about, can you really hear God? Wow, that was exciting. Are we... Are we... Which mic do you want me to use? I'm just going to shut one off. I think that fixed it. Okay. I don't know if you guys felt that, but I, it kind of sounded like we were almost under fire there. For <laughs> so John chapter 10, and hopefully we're done with the fireworks. Let's look at the, uh, the thought process that was going on when Jesus was being uh, talking with the Pharisees here. He's, he's in the temple. He's on the colonnade of Solomon. Let's... Uh, Let's expand this thought a little bit. We talked about, can you really hear God? Can you hear his voice? Is that something that we really, as Christians, have a right to do? We talked about, if we could hear God's voice, under what circumstances would we be able to do that? We talked about approaching God with sincerity. We talked about walking in stillness or slowing down so that we can actually hear God's voice. And then we talked about the need for intentionality, taking the effort to seek God. And I I was tempted to go into long details about some of the road trips Brian and I have taken, but suffice it to say that there is a need for us to separate ourselves to hear God sometimes. So today I'd like to move on from those topics using the same verses out of John 10 to ask the question and hopefully answer it, how do we hear God? If you can hear God, and if it's a matter of changing our posture and of setting ourselves apart, of slowing down, and of sincerely seeking his, his voice and not just what we want to hear, then, then what is it that we actually hear? And how do we hear that? There's only a couple of ways that you can hear God. One is with your actual ears. But there's also your heart. And God speaks to us with both. But the Pharisees had only focused on what they could hear with their ears. And symbolically, I believe that represents their minds. Religion will always seek to define God. Christians for millennia, as well as Hebrews, have been trying to put God in a box. And he's too big for that. And so when you try to approach God, if you want to seek him and hear his voice, and you're going to try to do that with just your mind, it won't work. And religion constantly seeks to understand God and to compartmentalize him. And the Pharisees were very upset with Jesus. In fact, at the end of this passage in John 10, they talk about stoning him. Why? Why? Because what he was suggesting was that 
they couldn't hear him. <laughs> and that people could hear God without them. That was really a threat to their, their authority and their power. So let, let's take a quick look here and see what caused all the hubbub. John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture. Jumping over to verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. John Eldridge is a hero of mine. He's a man that has influenced me for really since the beginning of my Christian life. And he wrote a book called Waking the Dead. And uh, if you haven't read that book, I would highly recommend that you take a look at it. But he has a quote on page 101 that I want to share with you. John is very much about this theme that we have just a few minutes to talk about. He's written book after book on this. But he wrote this, speaking of those who are trying to comprehend God with just their mind. Wisdom is just not enough. It may even hold us back from doing the will of God. The particular foolishness of the church in the past century was reason above all else. The result has been a faith stripped of the supernatural, the Christianity of tips and techniques, the common sense life, which, as Oswald Chambers warned, can be the enemy of the supernatural life. Interesting. Many of the ministries and churches that I've known have made their decisions only with principles and expedience. We have our morals and we have our precepts. But where in that equation is the living God? How will we hear him call us from Ur or lead us to our own promised land, bringing us through our own Calvary? Putting all our confidence in human reason is naive, and it will leave us in a very dangerous position. The only way out of this mess is to turn to our guide, our captain, to learn to walk with God. Wow, he says that really well. What John Eldridge is referring to is exactly this principle of hearing the voice of God. And, and in using John 10 as our focus, we see a situation that has happened over and over again in the Gospels. You see educated religious men and women trying to approach God, and they can't. They can't, and they don't understand what he's talking about. And Jesus has just healed a blind man in John chapter 9. You should really look at the whole context of this. If you, have a, if you have a few moments later and you want to spend some time in your journaling, take a look at John 9 and then read John 10 because it's going to make a lot more sense. In John 9, there is a, a blind man from birth who is healed by Jesus. Healed. And then he gets interrogated for an entire chapter. Like 50 verses of these priests and Pharisees who are just saying, were you really blind? I mean, really, were you blind? I mean, were you really blind from birth? 
And they go through this whole process of trying to understand with their mind what Jesus had just done. And they, they can't quite figure it out. And the guy obviously isn't terribly educated, but he knows one thing. He says, and he says it like four times. I don't know. I just know that I was blind once and now I can see. And with that stunning logic, he overwhelms them. And it's from that moment that these Pharisees now are seeking out Jesus in John 10. And they're saying, are you the Messiah? Are you just... You just healed this guy. We've talked to his parents. We've talked to him. He definitely was blind. There's no way we can explain it. Something supernatural happened here. We don't get it. And Jesus, in that context, starts talking about being a good shepherd. And he says to them, in that context, I am the good shepherd. And my sheep know me. And they hear my voice. So it's in that context. And when you compile that and think about it with John Eldridge, you realize these guys, with their minds, just can't get it. They're not able to get over the fact that he is not what they thought he should be. That he doesn't look like they thought he should look. That he doesn't act the way a king or a hero or a messiah in their mind should be. They cannot deal with that, so they reject him. And when you reject him, you can't hear him. And so it's important that as you're seeking God and you want to hear his voice, that you exercise not only your mind, but your heart. Very important. What does that mean to hear God with your heart? Well, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm getting closer. Have you ever seen something so beautiful that made you cry? It's hard to explain that, isn't it? I remember being on Bow Lake in, uh, near Banff, and I cried. It was dawn. There was no one there. Just me in a glacier and a lake and the, and the pristine wilderness of the Canadian Rockies. And this, the water was literally so clear you could see down to the bottom of the lake. You could drink the water if you wanted to. And it was cold, which I like. And I remember just being overwhelmed by it. And I wept like a baby at the beauty of God. I think that's what it means to hear God with your heart. In our society, our Western culture, Western civilization, we have embraced the Greek process of trying to understand and analyze things with our minds. And we're good at it. But as Christians, that's only half of the equation. I could talk a long time about that. But we have to understand the difference between hearing God with our hearts and hearing God with our minds. Because that's all that matters to our Good Shepherd. He is looking at your heart. He is listening for your heart's response to Him. Not your mind. As a young man, I was raised in a church I learned the Bible. I studied for Sunday school. I did everything that I was supposed to do. But as a, as a young college man, I threw it all away because I had only known about God. I had only studied about God. I didn't know him as a friend. I didn't know him as my Savior. So what I had done is I had tried to become a Christian with my mind. 
That's half of it. And most kids do that. Statistically, about 90% of our kids leave the church at age 18 not to return because they've been taught to try to understand God with just their mind. It's only half of the equation. The other half is the heart. So, if you're going to seek God, if you're going to hear his voice, at some point, you have to hear with your heart. And I'm going to refer to John Eldridge one more time in his book, The Journey of Desire. There are other authors who speak about this, but of all of them that I've read, John has really got it. Things appear to have come full circle. The promise of life and the invitation to desire have again been lost beneath a pile of religious teachings that put the focus on knowledge and performance. The Gospels today have been described as the Gospels of sin management. Sin is the bottom line and we have a cure. Typically it's a system of knowledge or performance or a mixture of both. Those in the knowledge camp put the emphasis on getting our doctrine in line. Right belief is seen as the means to life. Desire, or your heart, is irrelevant. Content is what matters. But notice this, the Pharisees knew more about the Bible than most of us will ever know. And it hardened their hearts. Knowledge just isn't all it's cracked up to be. If you are familiar with the Bible narrative, you will remember that there were two special trees in Eden. The knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. We got the wrong tree. That's a good quote. We got the wrong tree. So if we're going to hear God, we're going to go back now to John 10, and we're going to read, and we're going to say, Jesus is saying that his sheep can hear his voice, and that they're going to know him, and they're going to follow him, and when they do that, he's going to give them life. I want you to skip the word eternal right now. He's going to give them life. Eternal is the status of how long of a gift he's giving. If I read that eternal life, if you're like me, you were raised to believe that's something that happens after death. That's not what the Hebrew meant. It's not at all. So, he wants to give us life that won't end, is the thought here. Life that is limitless. If that's true, then he's probably said that somewhere else in the Bible. Because he does that. He's very consistent. So, let's take a look in John 10. Let's see if it's true. I'm sorry. I've got a Another technical problem here. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is 10 verses away from where we just read. This is the same thought. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, not only are you fake shepherds, not only can't you hear my voice, but you have never experienced the life that I'm offering. That was certainly true in my life. I had a mental, intellectual understanding of who God was, and I was so far from him, it was ridiculous. Many of you may find yourself in that situation. You've studied, and you know about God. 
but because your heart never got engaged, you never fully understood or could respond to what he was telling you. And our hearts get engaged when we surrender. That's it. That's the trick. If you're going to ask God and you want to hear his voice, you're going to have to do it with the understanding that he is God. He is Messiah. He is Lord, ruler above all. That means that when you ask God for something, your posture should be this. Not always physically, but in your heart. That means that you're taking your ambitions and your hopes and your dreams and your desires and your drive and you're saying, I will, I will bend that below the will of God. You will hear him so clearly when you do that. It will be amazing how long he's been speaking to you and you just begin to realize that because you weren't willing to lower your heart and your desire, you just couldn't ever really receive it. So really quick, how do we know that if we heard God, it was really God? <laughs> I've had this talk with God so many times. How many of you have been asked to do something crazy when you talked with God? Besides me. If you guys know what I'm talking about? God says something, usually if it's God, it's just really, really uncomfortable or crazy. So how do, we, uh, how do we navigate those crazy things? And there are some Christians who do crazy things. And uh, I'm not sure they heard from God. <laughs> I'm not sure where they got that from. Because what they did might actually violate Scripture. Or it might violate a principle of the Word of God. And so you know right away that probably wasn't God. Or it will be very impulsive and very isolated. And you'll see Christians run off and do things by themselves. That's dangerous, typically not the way God works, at least not since the prophets. So how do we know that what we heard is really God, not ourselves? How do we know of the voices that we saw in the, in the video clip, how do we know which of those voices is actually God and which of them is not God? If you're like me, you were raised in a church that might have made you feel very guilty all the time. Right? Has anybody else had that experience? Yeah. That was not God. I'm going to repeat that. That was not God. So what, what is God? We don't have time to try to answer that question, but I can tell you that God's voice will bring peace. It will bring clarity. It will bring hope. It will bring enlightenment. It's no accident that the miracle that led to him sharing this was of curing blindness. And not just blindness, but blindness from birth. So the symbolism there is so powerful. He's saying, I can not only give you your, your sight back, but I can give you purpose to your life that didn't have purpose before. If you're feeling blind today, or you're feeling purposeless, you're in good company. It's just time to ask for God to speak to those situations. So scripture is number one. How do you know that what you heard was really God? Scripture. 
it's not in the Bible, you probably didn't hear it from God. We all carry smartphones. We know that a smartphone is really important to functioning. And we are spoiled. We're used to picking it up and talking with whoever we want to at any time. Prayer is your smartphone. Prayer is your connection with God. And I, w- I would encourage you to use it often. Not just in church, not just when you have a morning time or an evening time with God, but on the daily commute, in the shower, and at work. Scripture is essential. It is literally called the Word of God. It is not just a symbolism. If you want to hear the Word of God, you probably should read it. I'm not being facetious. I'm being sincere. Read the Word. Read it. If you are reading the Word of God on a regular basis, I guarantee you, you will hear God. 100%. Second, the role of the Holy Spirit. If you've heard God, you're going to have power and conviction and peace when you shouldn't. If life is going crazy around you, if you've heard God, you're going to be stable. That's the Holy Spirit. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Wow. So the Holy Spirit, as Brian likes to say, is our GPS. Now we've got a smartphone and a GPS. Okay? The Holy Spirit will get us to our destination. And often it tells us to turn left, and it looks like we should go right. Trust that. Trust the Holy Spirit. Third thing, confirmation of comrades. Why is community so important in hearing God's voice, knowing that it's God, not you? Because you've got people who love you that are willing to say to you, Are you sure? Are you sure? Let me pray about that. Let me think about that. Let me consider that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard God halfway. And what I mean by that is that I've heard God, but I might have got the timing wrong. Usually I get the timing wrong. Many of us do. And it's comrades that keep us from stepping too soon into something that we're not ready for. It's comrades that help us step back from things that maybe need a little more time. If you're going to hear God and you want to step forward with confidence, it's going to take a community of faith. And they need you. This isn't just a one-way thing. We have to communicate with one another. And if we're all communicating with God, this thing starts to look like a beautiful dance, this beautiful tapestry that is faith and community. And we find out that often... Someone else will hear things for us at a time when we can't hear. How many times have you been down, depressed, discouraged, overwhelmed, and someone will call you or text you or pull you aside and give you a note, and it'll be exactly what you needed to hear? You think that's coincidence? That's community, man. That's the real thing. That's the Holy Spirit stepping into your life and saying, I'm paying attention. You're not alone, and I'm not going to leave you hanging. How important is that at that moment? 
It's priceless, right? Absolutely. The last thing I'm going to talk about is the affirmation of your heart's desire. You see, Jesus isn't just talking about life. He's talking about shalom. In verse 10 of John 10, he says that if we follow him and we hear his voice, he's going to take us to a specific place. It's called pasture. That's how it's translated in the New Testament. You may be more familiar with this word in another passage. Look with me, if you will, to Psalm 23. Same word. This is the most famous psalm probably of all time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. John 10 is referring to Psalm 23. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees who are not hearing him because they're trying to follow him with just their minds, he's saying that if you would open up and submit your heart to me, you would hear me and you would follow me and I would lead you to life. And that life would look like Psalm 23. And that life would never stop. It would be endless or eternal. If there's one thing that I think most of us crave in our lives, it's shalom, peace, confidence that we're in the right place at the right time. I don't think that ever goes away. I think that's something that we constantly long for. In, in Proverbs, Solomon says that it's important for us to guard our hearts because from our hearts comes the spring of life. If you're not hearing God, if you're not seeking to hear God, you're going to be shriveling. If you're a Christian believer, you're going to shrivel inside spiritually. You're going to be dehydrating. You're going to be dying because you're not getting to shalom. You're not getting to rest. And this is a big deal. We don't just hear God for ourselves. We hear God for our families, for our homes, for our communities. And if we're not, we die inside. But if we do, if we do take the time to hear God, and we do follow our Good Shepherd, He promises to give us something called super abundant life in Greek. Super abundant. It means that our lives will become then the source from which everything changes around us. We become transformed inside, so we transform the world around us. And we actually become Christians. I don't mean that in a trite way. I mean that we become so Christ-like that people will say, he's like Christ. She is like Christ. And that's how the name Christian started. Not as a cultural identification, but as a label to, to describe a person's life. When we become a Christian, 
we are now on mission. If you want to be in ministry, you have to go on mission. If you want to be a missionary, you have to be like Christ. If you want to be like Christ, you have to follow him. If you want to follow him, you have to hear his voice. And if you want to hear his voice, you have to bow your heart to him. That's the last two weeks in reverse. It's important, guys. It's, it's one of the most important things as Christians that we can have. Because it allows your root to grow deep. And when life gets crazy, you're still there. That's the life Jesus was talking about in John 10. And there's no wonder these Pharisees couldn't figure it out. They didn't want to. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, we bow our hearts. We, we take the moment right now to bend our will to yours. We acknowledge we're not so good at hearing your voice sometimes. And for some, maybe they've never heard your voice. And so God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us. Show us the path that you would have us to take. And we listen, Lord, not just with our minds, but with our hearts. With the deepest longing of our heart, we look for you. And we know that you will speak to us. And we claim it by faith. And I claim it by faith for those who are in this room and watching us online. Lord, speak to their hearts. Break through the mind. Touch them with your beauty. Touch them with your love. Overwhelm their defenses. May they feel you and not just hear you. Lord, we want to live lives that are real and super and abundant and full of joy and health and peace and grace and so close and sometimes so far away. And so we ask, Father, lead us so that we can find the good pasture. Lead us so that we can live life as you intended us to live it for eternity. But starting now, today, in Jesus' name, amen.